everyone and welcome to Spark Leadership. I'm Wendy Tepiso-Maledu, a senior behavioral scientist at Coach Hub and the host of the show. Today I have the joy of talking to Professor Dr. Judith Mangelsdorf about positive psychology and positive coaching. Dr. Judith Mangelsdorf is Germany's first professor of positive psychology at the German University of Health and Sports. She is the founder and director of the German Society of Positive Psychology, as well as coach, mentor and supervisor. Dr. Mangelsdorf will share how insights from positive psychology can help us harness our top strength to find purpose in our work and flourish in the workplace. I am so delighted to have you on the show. A warm, warm welcome, Dr. Judith. How are you today? Very good. And thank you very much for having me. So, Doctor, one of our standing features of the show is that our guests share one interesting fun fact about themselves before we start, just to kick off the show. And at the end, you give us some future predictions. Can you please share with our listeners one interesting fun fact about yourself? Okay. Being a psychology professor, I actually started to study psychology only out of defiance. I'm a mathematician. And one of my professors, when I studied mathematics, uh, didn't want me to write the exam for the psychologist because uh, she said, you're not um, enrolled in the psychology class, so you're not allowed to pass this exam. And I was like, let's see if I can't enroll to psychology at the same time. And I actually got stuck in psychology um, because that really is uh, my like deepest interest. And it was very fun to end up there after just say, you know, I can prove that I can make this happen. Yay, well done to you. And thank you so much for sharing that interesting fun fact. Everything is possible clearly, right? And this has been a gift to us as you've done a lot of work um, as a professor in this field. Thank you for making that choice. <laughs> we appreciate it. <laughs> cool. You also, I mean, I guess this connects then to the next question for me and maybe it's for you to go deep with what sparked your interest then in positive psychology? I actually grew up in an environment of teachers. Many of the people uh, in my family actually are teachers. And I observed one thing, and that was that many of them started with a lot of fire into their work. So they were really engaged in the idea of school, of educating kids. They were really on fire when it came to working with kids. And seeing them over the years, I saw that many of them went from I burn for what I do to burn out. And I was actually really concerned about this development and had the question, why do people start with so much energy and engagement into, you know, their job and then end up this way? And isn't psychology able to provide answers on how to go down another road and how to stay healthy and really flourish when you enter work life. And that was my main interest in psychology in general. So I studied psychology for a year and another year and another year and another year. And then I held the diploma in my hand and had no answer to that. And I was really intrigued um, and kind of shocked that general psychology with all its knowledge and the different topics related to psychology, like um, developmental psychology, biological psychology, social psychology, and so on and so on, 
and does not look at when does it go right? What do we have to do to make things work and make people happy? And then I stumbled over Marty Seligman's first book, Authentic Happiness, that addressed positive psychology. And within the first 50 pages I read, I was like, wow, this is what I was looking for. Like, this is the attempt to understand more about when life goes right and what people do um, to make it go right and what we can do as a society or as a social system to help people go down this way. And that was the start of my like deep, deep interest in positive psychology and what made me start to work in this field. Interesting, hey, that shift of identifying a problem and saying there should be a way out of this. There could be a better way to help people flourish. And I think what I'm finding interesting is that it's people who love their job, right? Or who love teaching, as you said, from your family, as you observed. But it was, how do you sustain that? Sometimes you just don't know how to sustain what you love and continue being positive about it. So let's go a bit deep into this whole notion of positive psychology. There's a misconception that happiness is a constant high. And whoever does positive psychology, they're always high, excited and happy. How do you define <laughs> positive psychology? Help us to understand it in context. Okay. One of the best definitions I know is to say positive psychology is a scientific study of what makes life most worth living. And when we look at this definition, it is very clear that this is not just about being happy or that even being happy is just a very small part of it. Because if I would ask you, what makes your life most worth living? You might say something like a workplace that really matters to me, where I can use my strengths. You might say something like family relationships that are positive, that are supportive, that help me to become the person I want to be, and so on and so on. So we dig into a space that is, of course, related to positive emotions, partly, but we are interested in the values that people have, in what makes you follow certain virtues, in the purpose that you find in your life and how you try to organize your life around your purpose and so on and so on. So there are many, many different areas that are actually connected to the question of what makes life most worth living. And the interesting part about this definition is also that it doesn't stop there, but that it says it is a call for psychological practice and science to be as concerned with strengths as with weaknesses. So it's not about denying that we have weaknesses, that we have problems, that we have to attend to them, but it wants to add something and say, if we see people as a whole, we need to take into account their strengths and their weaknesses. We need to be as interested in building the best things in life as in repairing the worst. So lots of psychology for a long time focused on repairing what's wrong or fix what's wrong. We went into um, organizations asking, what is your pain point and how can we help you to overcome it? Or um, psychotherapy asked the question, okay, what's wrong with you and how can we help you to heal? And that are very important approaches, but it's only half of the picture. Because we can also ask, like, what are you as a person when you are at your best? And how can you go for more of this? And what is the best thing that you can do as a company? What are you really good in? And how can we make this the leading idea of your company? And so on and so on. There's so much space for development for people that it would be really a shame 
not to attend to that also from a scientific base. Instead of asking the question, what is wrong with you? Positive psychology looks at how you can be at your best. I wanted to build on this theme of becoming your best self and thriving. Dr. Judith already mentioned the founding father of positive psychology, Dr. Martin Seligman, who says that there's life over and above not being miserable. I asked Dr. Judith what that life over and above not being miserable looks like. So Marty usually would answer this question saying, um, if you imagine your psyche on a scale from minus 10 to plus 10, where minus 10 to zero is a space where, you know, you feel upset, where you suffer from the problems that you have and so on and so on. So what's wrong with you and how can you fix this? And then there's a space between zero and plus 10 where you're not suffering, but if you are on a zero, you are also not just not happy, but you're also not flourishing. You're not thriving. You're in a space where you are. <laughs> Basically, that's it. So the question that most of positive psychology tries to answer is how can we enable people who are in the space between zero and 10 to get a little bit closer to the 10? How can we... For example, set up relationships in a way or find partners that are really supportive and that really go into a positive relationship with us where we find an emotional home. Also, this question of character strengths is very important in positive psychology. So we have a lot of knowledge in psychology in general about how to characterize a person based on the symptoms that someone has or the deficits that someone has. And what we want to know in positive psychology is what are the five character strengths that you have or the top five that really define who you are uh, with all the potential that you have? So, for example, creativity or something like um, social intelligence and so on. Because when we organize life around these character strengths, life becomes much easier. There's a lot of research, especially from um, the work context, that if you are able to use your top five character strengths or even signature strengths, so they, those strengths that you really feel are you and your very core, every day at your work, you are much healthier. You will um, enjoy the same work much more. You will feel that your work and your life in general has much more purpose so that is one of the very important questions. And the third one here, just as examples, because it feels so big, is a question of purpose. If I would ask you, like on a scale from zero to 10, would you say that your life has a purpose? Then most people would say yes. But if I ask you, so what is your purpose in life? What you will hear in most cases is silence, because a real answer to this question is something rare. But when you know what your meaning and your purpose in life is, it will make you much more resilient in difficult times. It will give you um, orientation in all the different life decisions that are in front of you. A big um, part of positive psychology also tries to answer the question, how do organizations have to look like to help people flourish who work for them? Or what can we do as a society to help people to lead a better life that are part of our um, society. The general idea is to ask, okay, so apart from the problems, 
which space for development is there and how can we use it best and wisely? So let's build a bit more for organizations. I'm sure there are workplaces out there that are like, you are talking to us. We want more happier people. We want more engaged people. We want people to know their purpose. Can you probably share with us, maybe from research, in terms of how positive psychology has contributed to this conversation? There is a really, really big research area in positive uh, psychology, which is called POS, Positive Organizational Scholarship. And basically, the scientists working in this field do nothing else than asking this question. So what makes the best companies, the best places to work? And what is the difference really for the people working at these places and also for financial outcomes of the organization, for example? And there are many different answers. I will just pick three that might be helpful for the people out there. The first one is the leadership question. Kim Cameron, one of the founding fathers of the field of positive organizational scholarship and a very advanced researcher in the field, uh, compared the 25% of companies who in times of transition and trouble do really bad with the 25% of the companies that in times of trouble and transition do really, really good. And he asked the general question, what's the difference? And it was very interesting that he said, we looked at so many different variables um, that you can compare between companies. And there is one number top variable that really predicted if companies flourished in the face of difficult times. And that was the leadership style, especially the positive leadership style. So did the majority of the leaders in the company support positive emotion in difficult times? Did they really focus on the strengths of their employees or on the weaknesses and how to fix them? Um, did this leader try to bring people together when it's really difficult, when we are in home offices and so on, and organize that people can grow together, that teams can grow together, that they can have meaningful relationships apart from just the tasks that they have to do with each other? And do they transfer the purpose of the organization into what hands-on every single member of my team has to do? And the fifth thing that they found is, do they really celebrate successes, even small ones? And what Kim Cameron came up with was the idea of positive leadership and saying that companies that have this kind of leadership or that help their leaders to actually become a little bit more like this are much more successful than uh, companies with other leadership styles. So this is just one example from um, the application of positive psychology or positive psychology knowledge into the organizational setting. But the interesting question really is, what are the values that a company officially stands for and how do these values really predict what's happening in the company? And do we see that in the structure of the company that these values are really lived? And to just name a third part, if we talk about purpose-driven economy, and this is one of the big keywords in the last uh, couple of years, then we are also talking about positive psychology in the workplace because it's nothing else than how to bring the individual purpose of the people who work for your company to the company itself. And how does that go together with the purpose of the economy? Thank you for those practical tools. I like the first one that you said about leadership. You spoke about that positive leadership style that supports that positive emotions 
but also focusing on strength, right, instead of weaknesses. Let's add to the, our ingredients then and shift more from positive psychology to positive coaching. What is the difference? Is there a difference? If so, how? Of course. So positive psychology, if you want, um, is the umbrella term. So it brings together like the whole science around happiness or a fulfilled life, which might be the better term. So we can apply this knowledge from the research in positive psychology to many different areas, like the workplace, as we um, just had, or positive education. So how can we bring this to school and to kids? And of course, the coaching context. And if we want to understand what positive coaching really is, then like a quick way would be to say it's the application of positive psychology knowledge and methodology and tools to the coaching context. But actually, positive coaching is much more than that, because um, everyone who's a coach out there and I think most of the people who are listening to this <laughs> will be coaches. So um, you will be uh, very familiar with the idea of solution focused especially as a contrast to the idea of problem focus. So if we add positive psychology to the solution focus, what we get is a focus on not just the solution, but also flourishing and thriving of our clients. So um, if I try to explain positive coaching to um, the people I work with, what I usually say is, if we take solution focus, often our main question is, what is the quickest way from where the client is to where he wants to be? We look for solutions together with a client that bring him or her very fast to his or her goal. In positive coaching, what we do is to see this as a chance for development for the client and also go a solution-focused way, but at the same time add ingredients of positive psychology, for example, the strengths focus, to allow the process to bring the client a little bit further to who he or she really can be as a person. I give you a very concrete example to make it more accessible. In solution focus, I would ask, okay, what is the goal of the session? If the session goes really well, like where are you at the end of our session or even the coaching process in whole? If you add the idea of positive psychology, knowing that behind every intrinsic goal of a client, there is his or her purpose hidden, we can add another question, which would be, let's say you reach this goal. And reaching this goal is just the first step on a much longer process that brings you closer to who you really are and what you really want to achieve in this world. Where are you at the very end of this process? And then we bring them further to their purpose while we are working on the goal that they just set for themselves in the coaching process. So it's basically adding value to the coaching process by helping people to discover more about their best possible selves, their strengths, their values, and so on, while they are on the way to their goal, to become more rich in the resources that they have and to deepen their understanding of who they really are. Positive coaching goes beyond the solution focus and looks at how the client can better understand who they really are and how they can become their better self. 
even though there's a focus on a goal, there's also a journey of purpose. But how does this apply practically to organizations? I asked Dr. Judith, what are some practical tools of how organizations can apply positive coaching in the workplace? Okay. When we think about positive coaching in the workplace, one of the main questions is how can we unleash the potential of our employees? And I would say it really starts with hiring the right people for the right position. So the first thing would be to see for the position that I have, what strengths does someone need to really fulfill this position or fill this position? Because if we fit not just, you know, CVs to new positions, but really character strengths to the character strengths that are needed in this position, what we will have is a much more engaged employee, someone who experiences what he or she does really as meaningful and fulfilling and is in a be much better position. So that is really the first point is not to start about positive coaching in organizations when we already have the people in, but to start uh, thinking much earlier in the process. And when we already go into the organization, one of the major tools that are out there that are really helpful for the people who are already part of a team is something that we call job crafting. So basically job crafting is the idea that within every position that you have, it's not just that you fit to this position or not, but to use the space that every position has for change to make it more suitable for your strengths, for your values, for your passions, and so on. So this process of job crafting basically means takes a position that you have and takes a person that you have with the strengths, uh, the passions, and so on, and then try to adapt the position to the person and to the best version of the person. The closer we can bring these two the happier people will be and the more satisfied people will be in the position that they have. Mm. What is the contribution in the well-being space given the pandemic, what we've gone through? How does positive coaching or positive psychology support well-being? Martin Seligman actually put up a framework that's very easy to understand. And he said, there are five pillars to well-being or even flourishing that we can use when we work with clients on more well-being, especially in challenging times. He came up with a so-called PERMA model, which is very famous in positive psychology, which basically says well-being and flourishing is based on the pillars of positive emotions, that's the P, engagement, that's the E, uh, relationships, that's the R, meaning, that's the M, and accomplishment, that's the A. And if we help people to strengthen these different pillars, it really strengthens them for um, life and it supports their well-being and flourishing. I love how concise that is. It's the model, PEMA model. These are the elements organizations can look into and dig more into positive psychology. As we bring this into the landing, Doctor, um, I'd like you to share a bit about the work that you're doing at university while you answer this last question around your predictions about the future of positive psychology and positive coaching. It's five years, six years, 10 years from now. Where is positive psychology? What are some of the works that you're doing at university to answer some of these questions? What we focus on 
is really to enable practitioners from different areas. So, of course, coaches, um, leaders, and many people who are trying to apply positive psychology in the different contexts to really do this. And my prediction for the future for the field really is that we will have to work on very hard question for us as practitioners, but also for us as scientists, which is how can we bring positive psychology to the people that really need it? So till now, positive coaching as well as positive psychology, apart from the research, is mostly at home where people with a lot of resources already are. So, you know, we go into leadership coaching, we go into organizations and so on. But especially those people who are really disadvantaged or who are more uh, not at the key positions should become more the focus of positive psychology. So I think one of the major questions will be how to reach those people who are really more disadvantaged when it comes to resources. And for the whole field, we now move into a direction where we try to get away from basically focusing on white privileged people when we look at the world out there, but where we try to make it more a global attempt. So how can we not just contribute to the well-being of people, for example, in industrialized countries, but also for people who really don't have access in the same way as many of us when it comes to knowledge, when it comes to education and so on. And another um, big thing is the sustainability idea and the climate crisis. So what can positive psychology contribute to a value system that helps us to move in the right direction? Beautiful. Thank you for those questions. I love questions because they leave us with reflection, space to reflect and try to answer these questions as they say. Always good questions um, inform, but great questions transform. And I hope with these questions that you have asked, we will be able to transform societies and communities in the future. Thank you so much, Dr. Judith, for your time. It's been a pleasure and a joy to have this conversation with you. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. What stood out for me from this conversation is how Dr. Judith defined positive psychology. That is a scientific study of what makes life worth most living. There's always a misconception that positive psychology is all about being happy. But what I learned is that being happy is just a small part of positive psychology. Thanks everyone for listening. If you'd like what you've heard and want to explore more, head on over to coachhub.com to learn how we democratize coaching across all career levels. And if you're listening on Apple Podcast or Spotify or any other streaming platform, please give us a rating and leave a comment. Join me on our next episode as I speak with Dr. Dumi Magazela as we talk about Ubuntu intelligence and Ubuntu coaching. In this episode, Dr. Dumi defines what Ubuntu means and shares more insights on how this concept is not just an African concept, but a global phenomenon. You don't want to miss out. From everyone at Coach Hub Studios, have a wonderful day happiness.